welcome to Every Nation Bahrain. My name is Mitch, and, and I'm so glad to have you with us today. So on behalf of our leaders, our beautiful volunteers, welcome. Right, so again, um, if you feel hot in the back, just there's like spaces in, in the middle, just come forward. So let me just remind or, or let me just <coughs> tell you what every nation is or who every nation is. And I'd like to read it. I mean, I'd like all of us to read it all together. So again, every nation, Bahrain, is a vibrant, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational church that makes disciples and multiplies leaders in every community and in every campus. Now, this is who we are. Right? This is who we are, and this is what we do. We make disciples in every community and in every campus. And every nation was actually birthed, or victory in the Philippines was actually birthed. We're known as victory in the Philippines. Outside of the Philippines, we're known as every nation. Every nation was birthed in missions. And this is how we will grow. We will grow through missions. We are now in our second week, right? Second week of our series entitled Eten. Okay? <laughs> every tribe, every nation. Now, this is a series that talks about God's love for the nations. I mean, take note of that. This series talks about God's love for the nations because we believe that God is an mission to redeem right, not only His chosen people, but the entire creation. Right? So that includes you and me. So every year, right, every year, we always take a time to talk about missions and nations. And why do we do that? Why do we talk about missions and nations? Because this is who we are. And like what I said, we are birthed by missions. We will grow through missions. Now, like what Graham said earlier, every nation Bahrain is actually part of a global family of churches. And guess what? We have approximately 470 churches in 84 nations. Right? So, Graham, no longer 83. There's a fourth nation just yesterday, okay? So 84 nations, so 470 churches in 84 nations. I think I have a slide for that. And we have about 130, right, active church plants. No, 120, about 120 active church plants. And in those 84 nations, we have 1,076 more or less, campus ministries. Right? So that includes Bahrain. Okay? That includes Bahrain. We also have our own campus ministry. And we believe that as a church, this is what we truly believe in, we have one foot in the campus and one foot in the community. That's who every nation is. Now, we plant churches and we reach out to campuses because we firmly believe, right? Who knows who Serizal? Right? But I'm not gonna quote to Serizal. We firmly believe that if we change the campus, we change the world. Right? Where are the leaders? Where are the future leaders of the campus? 
of the, of the world? Where are the future leaders of the world right now? Right? In the campuses. Right? Or maybe they're in the kids' church. We don't know. Now, because this is who we are. We have one foot in the campus, one foot in the community. And we are every called every nation. Why? Because we go to the nations. We go to the nations and we do this not because we want to prove a point. But we do this because we believe that it, this is close to the heart of God. Amen? And how do I know this? Right? Who was here last week? Right? Graham preached on Psalms 65. Right? You know, did you know that the, in the book of Psalms, oh, okay, let's have a quiz. Okay, how many? <laughs> no, no, let's not have a quiz. In the book of Psalms, we have 150 chapters. But did you know that in that same book, we have 175 references about God's heart for the nations? And the book of Psalms is actually a book of worship and prayer and longing. Now, while preparing for this sermon today, I got reminded about my grandfather. Right? Who among you have grandfathers? Okay. Who among you don't have grandfathers? Right? Thank you so much. Right? Now, in one point of our lives, we did have grandfathers, right? So when I was growing up, uh, my grandfather is a farmer. He, 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 he grew up as a farmer. Uh, he grew up as a farmer's son. He became a farmer father, and then he became a farmer grandfather. So what I'm trying to say is this. Like, he is born and bred to be a farmer. Now, every time, every summer, I would go visit them. My dad would bring me there. Or my mom would bring me there. I'd go visit him. And then he would teach me how to plant. I mean, he would talk to me about the plants, right? So he, he, he really loved farming. He, his farm had uh, uh, fruit trees. His farm had crops. His farm had ornamental flowers. He, he had a lot, right? So he really loved to plant. And every summer, he would bring me there, and he would teach me how to plant. And one day, um, it was... Um, during plant rice planting season, he brought me to the to the farm. And and if you've if you've planted rice, who among you planted rice? Experienced it at least. Watched it on YouTube, right? No, no one. Okay, no one. Right. So it's fun to plant rice because you run in the mud, okay? But there's a way of planting rice. Okay, you just don't. Take the seedling and then just drop it in the soil. No. There's a proper way of putting, of, of holding the rice like a pencil, like a chopsticks, and then planting it in the soil. Otherwise, the rice will not grow. And then when I was planting, he goes like, oh, don't do that. And don't do that. Oh, don't, don't do that too. You know, and I was thinking to myself, then what should I do? Everything I do is don't, Right. Later on, I complained to my dad, and my dad said, because your grandfather experienced it, that when he planted rice the wrong way, okay, the rice died. It did not grow. So what he was telling me, what he was sharing me, to me, was his experience in rice planting. Now, how about you? Did you have a mother? Of course, you had a mother. Did you have a father? Of course, you had a father question is, did they teach you how to cook? Amen? They did, right? Who, who received lessons on housekeeping from our parents? All of us. Right? 
They, did they teach you how to fix the house? Carpentry? Of course they did. Why? Because they were preparing you for a future. And they don't want us to commit the same mistakes that they committed. And the scripture that we will be reading today is the same as that. Right? We will go through 18 verses today. Are you ready? I hope you ate your breakfast and you drank your coffee. 18 verses, 10 minutes each verse. So that will be, engineer, 180 minutes, okay? If I finish on time, right? So let's start. Let's start by standing up on our feet, okay? Opening our Bibles to Psalm 102, and we will be reading from verses 1 to 18, right? You there? I don't, bring out your phones, right? Bring out your phones, bring out your Bible, because we will be going through the Bible. I'd encourage everyone to keep their Bibles open for the entire one hour, 180, three hours. During the entire three hours, okay? 180 minutes, right? Open your Bibles, Psalm 102, and if it's hot at the back, just, just come forward, right? But before we read, why don't we dedicate this time for prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Lord, we believe that this is your word. And Father, as we read your word, Lord, may you speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds. Right? In Jesus' name, amen. Right? Psalm 102. A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Just by the title itself, it gives you a picture of what the text is. Verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the, host, on the housetop. All the day, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me as my name for a curse, use my name for a curse, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle my tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger, for you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory for the Lord builds up Zion and appears in his glory. He regards his, the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. 
for uh, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be born, yet to be created, may praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may now be seated. Right? By the title itself, you know that the psalm that was just read, Psalm 102, is actually a lament sound. Right? Lament sound. Now, this is important, okay? Just by the title itself, it says, Prayer of one afflicted when he is faint. Imagine that. He is already faint and pours out his complaint, and yet he is afflicted. But he's pouring out his complaint before the Lord. Now, Lament Psalms, right, it's a very wonderful, I mean, before when I read Lament Psalms, I, I, I feel heavy, right? Because it's, it's lament, it's sorrowful, it's hard. But Lament Psalms are characterized actually by an expression of distress, like what we just read earlier. There's distress, right? There's sorrow and there's longing. But then this is followed by a shift to praise and hope to, uh, to praise God and direct our hope towards Him. Now, this kind of psalms actually remind us that it's okay to bring our deepest emotions before God. Who have complained before? Who has complained before God? Have you complained to God? Have you tried to complain to God? It's okay to complain to God, right? It's okay to complain to God. Pour out our deepest emotions, but then after we complain. The proper action is for us to ask hope from Him, for us to ask guidance, and for us to ask Him to comfort us. Now, although this psalm does not provide what is exactly happening to the author during this time, nor does it tell us who wrote it, all right? but some scholars say that this psalm was actually written during the exile of uh, the Israelites to Babylon. Right, during these times. But regardless, we know that this psalm is a psalm of someone who has been crying out to the Lord, who is afflicted, but then this psalm is also a psalm that, asks, is, that is asking God to intervene in his situation. And, and today, right, I hope that we find ourselves in the shoes of this psalmist, and when we find ourselves in the shoes of this psalmist, I hope that through the word of God today, we will also find hope in God. And then we can learn to trust God. So to help us understand the text today, I have laid out four questions. All right, so open your Bibles, take down your notes. I have laid out four questions. So what is the circumstance of the psalmist? What's happening to the psalmist when he was writing this psalm? Now, who knows writers here? Right? I know Katie is one. Graham, you're right? Okay. Using pen, all right? I mean, when we compose something, when we write, okay, who experienced writing love letters? Yeah. Okay, love emails. All right? Love emails. Okay, so when we write something, we pour out what's in our hearts. So it's the same. The psalmist was actually writing something that's coming out from his heart, right? 
But so what, right? If the psalmist is writing that, the next question I would like to answer this afternoon is how is that connected to us? How is that relevant to us today? Are we afflicted like Him? Are we being punished like Him? Are we pouring out our hope to God? You know, or are we pouring out our heart to God? And are we asked, looking to God for hope and guidance? Now, after that, you know, again, lament psalms serve as a reminder as well of who God is. So it's not just a glimpse into the heart of, a psalm, of the psalmist. Lament psalms are also a, a picture or serves as a reminder of who God is. Right? Especially in times of distress. Right? So the next question that we will ask this morning is, can we trust God and obey Him? If we're in difficult situations, or even when we are in situations that we are very thankful for, can we trust God and obey Him? And lastly, of course, how should we respond? All right? So four questions. Ready? Ready? Oh, yes. <laughs> wake up, wake up. All right, all right, let's start. Verses 1 to 2. All right, what's happening to the psalmist? It's going to be more of teaching I think today. Now, verse 1 to 2, it says here, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. You know, it's like, Dad, Dad, look at me. Look at me, Dad. You know, when, 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 when you want something, when, you know, it's, it's like, hey, look at me. You know, that's what the psalmist is trying to express. Hear my cry. Come to me right now. And he further says, do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Right? He says here, answer me. Not later, not tomorrow. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. You see the heart of the psalmist? You see the heart of the psalmist? The psalmist here is actually desperate and needs urgent help. He's desperate and needs urgent help. He's pleading with God to hear his prayers and answer his prayers in the same day. In the same day. He's desperate and he needs help. But he doesn't need help tomorrow. He needs help urgently. Verse 3 to 7, For my days pass away like smoke. My days pass away like smoke, very transitionary. And my bones burn like a furnace. Have you ever felt a fracture? Right? Had you ever had a broken bone? It says here that his bones burn like a furnace. That means it's hot, it's tormenting him. And he says, my heart is struck down like grass and has withered away. He's withered away. And he's so in distress, he's so distressed, he's so pressured by the world that he forget to eat his bread. 
if you've worked in an advertising agency environment and there's a pressure that's coming from you, there's a deadline that you have to meet, sometimes you just forget about food. But this guy is so in distress, he needs help so much that he even forgot his food. And when I read this, I realize that not only is this guy desperate and not only that this guy needs immediate help, this guy also is lonely and vulnerable. The image of burning bones and a withered heart tells us that this guy is tired. This guy is ready to give up. This guy is exhausted. He's ready to give up. He's deteriorating. The image of the grass that's withering, it tells us that this guy is deteriorating. The agony in this guy. He cries. His cries of pain, the one that he says here, I think that can be likened to the cries of pain of the demoniac that we talked about two weeks ago. Now, in ancient times, you know, in ancient times, you know, the sparrow, it also, it also talks about the sparrow here. Right? It's like a lonely sparrow perched on the roof. In ancient times, uh, in ancient times, people often built their house on, with flat roofs, right? And in these flat roofs, they become common perches of a lot of sparrows. But she says here, a lonely sparrow. You see that in your text? A lonely sparrow. This means that it's only one sparrow that's on top of the roof. Now, to the original audience of this psalm, that meant isolation. Have you ever been isolated? That meant helplessness. Verse 8 to 11, it says here, All the day day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. Wow. All the day. My enemies taunt me. It's not just 30 minutes. It's not just during lunch break. But all the day. And his, and his enemies deride him and use his name as a curse. Can you imagine that? That when someone calls you Graham, that means a derogatory term. Or Mitch, that means a derogatory term. Right? It says here, 8 to 11, right? All the day my enemies taunt me, deride me, and use my name for a curse. I eat ashes like bread and mingle my tears with my drink. He doesn't have appetite. And he's crying because he's, you know, whenever he drinks, his tears come, you know, his tears mix with the water that he's drinking. And he says here, because of your indignation and anger, you have taken me up. And then he was not let down gently, but he was thrown down. For you have taken me up and thrown me down. And he says here, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. 
You know, this psalmist, he was stunted and is suffering not with sorrow, but he was suffering with heavy sorrow. See, the imagery of eating ashes. Have you tried to eat ashes? Can you eat ashes? The imagery or the picture of someone eating ashes like bread and mingling tears with his drink. You know what? This speaks of heavy sorrow. Heavy suffering. Now what about us? What about us? Like the psalmist, we too experience desperation. We too experience an urgent or an immediate need to be helped. A friend of mine lost her brother um, recently this week. And that night, right, about 12 a.m. in the Philippines, she received a call here. And he said, Sister, sister, I can't breathe. Call the doctor very quick. Right? She, she, he, she couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. And you know the sister, I mean, I'm sorry I joked, but you know the sister, the sister don't know who to call in the Philippines. The sister didn't know who to contact in the Philippines so that someone can bring her brother to the hospital. Have you ever experienced that? You were in a medical emergency and there's no one to help you. If not an medical emergency, maybe it's a financial crisis. That you're so low, you're so negative that you don't even have enough food, enough money to buy water. We too need help. We too are desperate. Relationship struggles. Romeo and Juliet. They wanted to be together, but their family didn't want them to. So they killed themselves. The disaster in Maui, natural disasters. There's a disaster in Maui right now. There's a, a, a wildfire that, that I mean, ravaged the homes of hundreds of people. And if you want to give to that, right, we have a page uh, that you can donate to that fire uh, to the victims of Maui. Right? Mental health. We suffer that. And when we suffer for, with mental health, there's a desperation. There's an urgent need of help. Physical suffering. Emotional suffering. Have we all experienced that? You know, but there's a actually a greater area in our lives that needs desperate and urgent help. And the reason why this psalmist is writing this psalm is because of sin. There's an area, there are people there who are in desperate need of help right now because they are still in sin and they don't have a Savior and they don't know a Savior. How did you know that approximately one person every two seconds die without hearing the gospel. 
One, one thousand. Two, one thousand. Three, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Five, one thousand. Six, one thousand. Just me counting, there are already three people dead without hearing the gospel. And this one has eternal consequences. The suffering that I just mentioned earlier, mental, physical, emotional, financial, health, is temporary. But the person that died while I was counting, his suffering will now be eternal. So in one point of our lives, all of us have experienced a desperate situation and an urgent need for help. Not only that, all of us or most of us would have experienced loneliness and vulnerability. See, the advancement of technology has offered us, you know, an experience to be connected to a lot of people around the world. But in the same breath, did you know that the advancement of technology also leads to social media isolation? It needs to digital FOMO. Am I correct? That's FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. There's online bullying. There's online harassment, right? There's, there's, there's comparison and self-isolation, right? Who, who loves Pinterest? Who follows influencers in, on social media? Right? We do that. And then we see that, okay, this is the way that I should dress. This is the stuff that I should buy. And then if we fail to meet, you know, a certain standard that has been set by these influencers, we feel, what? We feel isolated. We feel that we're not in the know. Like the psalmist, we too are taunted and are suffering with heavy sorrow. We too suffer this. So much so that sometimes when we suffer with heavy sorrow, we lose purpose of meaning in our lives. She left me. I no longer have, you know, my destiny left me. I no longer have a purpose in life. Right? He cheated on me. I no longer have a purpose in life. You know, I was uh, terminated in the office. I lost value. You know, when we read what the psalmist was going through, it's easy for us to just, you know, read it and brush it off. But when we read our Bibles, we do not stop just by reading the Bibles. We also look at how the Word of God applies to our lives. How the Word of God applies to our lives. So that when we see ourselves, when we find ourselves in the same position as the psalmist, desperate, needs urgent help, lonely, vulnerable, like the lament that we just read, we will also be reminded to turn to God. You know, like the psalmist, you know, 
that's the beauty of the lament psalm. We are reminded in times of desperation, we are reminded to turn to the to turn to God. Now, question is, what did the psalmist see in God that made him turn to him? <coughs> Third question. Can we trust God? <coughs> if the answer is yes, why? Yeah, because the psalmist knew God and he and, and, and because the psalmist knew God and the psalmist experienced God, the same psalmist is letting us know today that the God he served and the God that we serve, first and foremost, is eternal. Verse 12, it says here, But you, O Lord, <clears throat> are enthroned forever. Our God is enthroned forever. And then, it's just two simple words that when you read it, oh, I already know that. You know, I already know that God is enthroned forever. And then you go to the next verse. Two words, but did you know that these two words have a very deep meaning? When the Bible says that He is enthroned forever, the Bible is telling us that His authority never changes. God's authority never changes. He is in control of the past. He is in control of the present. And He is in control of the future. He is reigning, not with a limited time, but He is reigning forever. Meaning, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, whether good or bad, He is in control because His authority never changes. When the Bible says that He is enthroned forever, it's also a promise and an encouragement for us. Why? Because that means He is present forever. He is on the throne and is present forever. The throne is often associated with the presence of a king, correct? If there's a throne, there's a king. If He is in the throne forever, that means that His presence in our lives is forever. And not only that, because He is present, that also means that He is always accessible. That means He is always attentive. That means He is always involved in our lives. So what? Right? So what if His authority never, never changes? So what if his, He is always he is always present. So what is it for us? You know, what's in it for us is because His authority never changes. He's, he's always present. That also means that His covenant and His faithfulness never fails. It never fails. Two words, so many meaning. His covenant that He made before is still available to us today. The promises that he is that is written in the Bible is available for us today because his faithfulness never fails. Graham's testimony earlier, they are in the negative. But did you see Graham lose weight? Yes, he did. He's dieting. But he was never hungry. Sorry, Graham. I love you, bro. 
Now, question is, so what if he is enthroned forever? Isn't he the king of the Jews only? You're wrong. He's not just the king of the Jews. He's the God of all nations. It says here, verse 15, Nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. Fear. You know what the word fear means? That word in the original text is yare. Yare. What's yare? Yare refers to the acts of God that cause astonishment and awe. That His acts to the nations is so great that these nations will praise the Lord. Not just one nations. Not just one king. But it says here, all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. So the question earlier, can we trust God? Why? Why? Because He is enthroned forever and He is not just the God of Israel, He is the God of all nations. That includes you and me. But maybe you're thinking, I think no, I think this is only for the people of the Old Testament, people of the Bible. Think again. Because He is enthroned forever. The God that we serve is also the God of generations. Not just one generation, but all generations. It says here, verse, it says here, verse 12, But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout one generation, all generation. Verse 18, it says, it tells us the heart of the Lord for the next generation. Or it tells us the heart of the Lord for all generation. It says here, let this be recorded for a generation to come. For a people that is yet to be created so that they may praise the Lord. His heart is for the next generation also. Why would he ask or why would he put this wisdom into the psalmist for the psalmist to record this for the next generation? It's not because, you know, to show off all his glory, but it's because he is concerned for the next generation. Just like my grandfather teaching me how to farm. He's concerned that when I take over the farm, I need to know how to plant. That's why we need to put our trust in God because He is enthroned forever. His authority never ends and never fails because He is a God of all nations and because He is a God of all generations. Question is, how should we respond? See, the message of Psalms 102 is that of hope, purpose, and encouragement in the face of challenges. That because He is enthroned forever and He is the God of all nations and generations, we too can place our hope in Him and more than that, He also gives us a purpose. Verse 18, it says here, right? Verse 18, Let this be recorded. Why? so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. As a church, or as an individual then, how should we respond? You know, see, to help us, you know, <clears throat> right, who loves food? Right? 
So, to help us remember the preaching today, I came up with this acronym. Right? Eight. Eight. Ate. Alright? A. Let's accept trials as opportunities. God is encouraging us to view our trials and sex setbacks as opportunities for Him to reveal His redemptive power. You know, sometimes our trials, sometimes you know our hardships, it actually opens doors for us to preach the gospel. T. I trust in God's unchanging character. He is the God, the same God in the past. He's the same God today. He's the same. He will be the same God in the future. If there's one constant thing in the world, it's change. And and this passage, you know, reminds us that God's character remains the same, and that this passage reminds us. That His compassion is unwavering. This passage reminds us that He will intervene. This passage reminds us that He will answer our prayers. T. Trust in God's character. E. Engage in God's mission of redemption. Just as the psalm is declaring the work of God, that is meant to lead people to praise God. Let's allow God to work through our challenges and use our stories to point to His grace. We are broken people. We face hardships. We face temptations. And we fail. But that should not stop us from going to God and coming before God and asking, Lord, give me the grace so that I can participate in your mission of redemption. And maybe another question that we should ask ourselves this morning is, where do we start? Where do we start? You know, we can be part of God's mission by praying, giving, and going. We can be part of God's mission by praying, giving, and going. But I say, you know what? We start here, right now. You see, God has placed all of us in a melting pot of nations. Just outside, you'll, have, you'll see people of different nationalities. You know, when you go outside, you go downstairs, you'll see another nationality. When you go in your offices, how many nationalities are there? How many languages are there? You know, the church in Sri Lanka, it was birthed because one of our members in Sharjah, Approach, and as it's charge, I can't remember. But one of our churches in in the UAE engaged a Sri Lankan. In that Sri Lankan, went back to his home and started his own and started another church there. You know, everyone is important. Do not discount a single person because everyone is important. Where do we start? We start right here, right now. Pray. Pray. By pray, pray, pray for, you know, pray for the, the work that we're starting, we're laying down. We're, we're building a group, right? Not every one of you is aware, but we're actually creating a group right now. We're building a group right now that will engage locals. So why don't you pray for them? 
Where do we start? Right here, right now. We actually have a campus missionary. We have campus missionaries here who are trying to go to the campus to reach out for the next generation. We start right here by praying right now. We start also by giving. If you want to support the campus missionaries, just write it in the envelope for the campus. We 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 give not only our money, we not we have not only our assets, we can also give our time. Maybe you can approach, you know, one of our missionaries and say, "How can I help? What can I pray for you?" Or maybe God is asking you to go. See, you know, the Joshua Project says that there are 16 people groups in Bahrain. We start right here, right now. Pray. Maybe next year, maybe we will have a short-term mission somewhere in the Middle East. Because we believe that as every nation, each and every member of this church is called to go to every nation. Start praying. Lord, despite what where I am right now, despite the circumstance I face right now, Lord, how can I be part of your mission to redeem the entire creation? Why don't we stand? I want to end with this. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And this is called the Great Commission. And there's a reason why it's called Great. Because it's the Great Commission. It says here, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything, right? All, all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Did you know that in the original text, it didn't say, go to all nations. Rather, it said, as you go. As you go. So we start here right now.